Talking on the road day, baseball today uh, in downtown Denver in the Lodo district, as they call it, lower downtown. That when I moved there was a stay away. Really? Yes, that's what you. When I first moved to Denver, tried to listen to you know, educating myself from some of the locals. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the, where all the homeless population was. Uh, a lot of crime down there. Stay away from uh, what the locals called it, Lodo, lower d- downtown. It's a spectacular area now. Yeah. It really is. Bars, restaurants, things to do. Uh, and a really nice ballpark. It really is. Coors Field's outstanding. A brew pub uh, in right field. Got to like that. Yeah, absolutely. So Denver, one of the cities I've never visited outside of a layover. Time or two on my way to Vegas or L.A., but... Never been to Denver. No, that's before. great. I love my time in Denver. It's a really nice city. People talk about driving it, what, nine? Nine and a half. Nine and a half? Yep. So drivable. You sure. can do it. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. And yeah, it's on the bucket list. No, Something it should one be. I need to cross off. Uh, my wife's cousin just moved out there about a year and a half ago. So mm-hmm. Four, it's a four sport town, four pro sport town. Yeah. Different world, isn't it? It uh, it, it truly From is. Twenty five years ago, when you were there, yeah, well, it was twenty five years ago. I was there, yep. And there was no NHL. And the, when I first got there, there was no MLB. In fact, the first sporting event I ever saw there was the AAA, the Denver Zephyrs, I think they were called okay. at the time. And they played at Mile High, and then uh, it was their opening day at Mile High, eighty five thousand or whatever it was uh, in the building. It was crazy. What a, what a buzz around it. Anyway, speaking of buzz, I want to ask your opinion on this, Oliver Martin. Mm-hmm. You follow high school way way closer than I do. Yeah. And look, I look at the list of offers that Martin had coming out of high school. I mean, Power Five schools. And if I miss one, Indiana, Minnesota, Vanderbilt, Wisconsin, Michigan State. Oregon was in on him. Was Florida, did I see Florida or one yeah, of the Florida yeah. schools? Notre Dame was one of his finalists. Notre Dame was sniffing around. So yeah. obviously, I mean, a lot of schools wanted his services. This isn't about how he got out of Iowa in, in, in the first place. Um, has, so far in his career, has maybe, he was injured his first year. He was. Redshirted year one. Right. Injury was a part and of And last year really didn't tear up college football. No, had 12 catches, mm-hmm. had a carry. That, that's all. Didn't see a ton of playing time out there. You know, it, a couple of different angles I, th- I think we can go here. He is a player that, in the spread offense, I don't think fits real well. He's not quite big enough to be one of those outside guys and what they want to do. And he doesn't have the maybe the back-and-forth quickness that you want out of a slot guy. It just it wasn't a fit with where they're going. Mm-hmm. The Iowa offense, mm-hmm. he makes sense on both sides. He right. can either be an outside guy or maybe an inside guy. I think he can play that role really well. I think it's fit more than anything. It and, might, that's a good way to put it, Trent, because, look, I don't – I watched Michigan a handful of times last year. I don't remember him. You know, when you saw Darbo play – yeah. You know, you you remember him, mm-hmm. right? And and maybe it's because he was more local yeah. that I was looking for him. To be fair, mm-hmm. uh, but I so I just wondering if you, if there's does he deserve all the buzz that he's got? Like I love a local kid, and I went coming back to play regard if, at one of the state schools. Obviously, he's staying home to play. He's a Hawkeye, but I was just wondering if you know so far if his if his college career has lived up to what we thought he was going to be in high school. Just one year into it. Mm-hmm. One year into it. And Darbo, did he burst No, not early. Scene? He did not. That's a fair point. You know, think back of from David Terrell to Steve Breston. Those guys, early in their career, wasn't great. Uh-huh. Freshman wide receiver. And wide receiver is one of those positions that's not like you're just turnkey. You go in there. There's so much more nuance to playing in the college game as it pertains to route running and finding yourself open and those types of things. It's different than high school. Go run a seven route. Yeah, There's a lot more to it. In that, 
When's the last time Iowa's had a four-star wide receiver? <sighs> you tell me. I can't think of one off mm-hmm. the top of my head. It's been a long time since they've had that. That's where the excitement is. And it's a local kid. Mm-hmm. That's important, too. You know, I, I continue to see you know, people, well, if he didn't want to be here in the first place. Yeah, come on, get over it. Grow up. Right. Now, think of this. And, and put yourself in Oliver Martin or his family's shoes. Say this is your son. You live in Iowa City. Son, you go wherever you want, regardless you of the noise. Are Hawkeye fans. Oliver Martin was, grew up a Hawkeye fan in Iowa City. It's hard not mm-hmm. to be a Hawkeye fan. You go to camps, you're blowing it up. You're an MVP of the Nike camp. You're getting offers from Big Ten schools. You're getting offers from programs across the country. Yet your hometown team hasn't offered you yet. You don't mm. think that's going to sting a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. You don't think there's so, going so to be hurt feelings? Who dropped the ball there? Bobby Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy did, huh? Bobby Kennedy. Reese Morgan wanted to offer him. Mm-hmm. He, of course, runs the Iowa, yep. but the wide receiver coach at the time, Bobby Kennedy, said, let's hold off. They tried so, to slow play him. Well, who did Bobby Kennedy have in mind? Did he have another target? Oh, probably. He probably had some five-star receiver from Texas that was never going to come. never going to enter. Right, right. But that, that was his idea. I have these guys higher on my list. You also have to look at reality. The reality was that Oliver Martin, if they wouldn't have slow played him, if Kennedy wouldn't have made that decision, he would have been a Hawkeye, I'm sure, from the get-go. But they waited, and then all of a sudden, Ohio State and Michigan and Notre Dame get involved, and that opens up your options. And, and another thing, you grow up in a college town. I have friends that grew up in Iowa City that I went to Iowa with, and a few of their friends said, no way. I love Iowa. I love the Hawkeyes. I love the university. But when you're 18, you want to get away. Mm-hmm. That's that, exactly right. You, It is completely different than me from Podunk Osage, Iowa. You get to go to the big city and go to Iowa City. If you grew up there... Yeah. A lot of people are wired differently. Mm-hmm. That whole take of, well, he wasn't a Hawkeye. We don't want yeah. him from the get-go. It's idiot. And there's some former Hawks that have that opinion, too. Come on. Well, the, and, and the guys on the walk-on podcast. That's who I'm referring to. You didn't have these options. Guys, you were walk-ons <laughs> at Iowa. Right. Michigan was not knocking on your door. You didn't <laughs> go. At, you didn't get to hang out by touchdown Jesus. Yeah. You were walk-on yeah. at Iowa. Uh-huh. Completely different from no, all of these. They were, you know, according to uh, their Twitter feeds or mm-hmm. some of the retweets that I saw, they, they're they disappointed that he's going to be a Hawk. Well, get over get it. Get over it. Right? Get over it. Think yeah. of some of the great Hawks from Jared Utah to Andre Woolridge. Mm-hmm. We can play this game. We can go on yes, and on absolutely. and on. You're going to shut down transfers now? Yeah, apparently. You're going to hurt your football program. Yeah, apparently. But it, it's not just Oliver Martin. Two other kids. You know, that game. snuck up on me, Trenton. You retweeted that from College Football Talk today. And maybe it's just because the Oliver, Oliver, and understandably so, the Oliver Martin story just resonates so much louder because of the local kid and all the offers that he had, mm-hmm. that there are two other receivers that will be there here now. Yep. Obviously, they're going to go through their sit-out year and be a part of the 2020 team. Um, but the fact that three transfers, kind of, and particularly two of them, Really flew one under the radar. All from the same, in the same class. They're all redshirt sophomores, too. You would think all of them have to sit out, though. I do have something for you on that here in a moment. But yeah, the other two guys, Jack Combs, who comes in from Central Michigan, and uh, Charlie Jones is the name of the other one from Buffalo. So a couple of Mac kids, kids uh, looking to get a chance at the mm-hmm. big time playing at the Big Ten level. The kid from Buffalo, though, is intriguing. Didn't have a ton of grabs. Neither of these guys did. But. Average like 21 yards a catch. You'd think that means that the guy's got some speed. You would hope. Downfield right? threat. I would need that to open uh-huh. up the passing game. No offense, not there anymore. No. You need those guys to make some big plays on the outside. Maybe they found a guy there. It, it's worth a shot, right? We know how much I was struggled in wide receiver recruiting and just developing in general. Here you go. Now you got three of them to work with. 
Oliver Martin, though, he's going to apply for a waiver to play this year. Now, on the surface, we have this conversation even two years ago. No chance. Right. Is there a sick family member? Nope. Then he's yeah. not going to get it. But what I talked about at the top, the change in the offense, mm-hmm. going to a full spread Do you think system, that will be enough? We've seen less than that workout for some of these guys going for waivers. I'm not saying that he will get the waiver, mm-hmm. that, but he has a case. Compared to a lot of other people that have got waivers, he has a case. I'm going to an offense that fits the way that I play, fits the kind of system that he can play in. So that's the case that they'll make. That is the case that they'll make. It wouldn't be a shocker if he is able to play this year, if he gets mm. that waiver. I guess go out there and play in the big house. What, in October? <laughs> That'd be something. Yeah, it would. Uh, we'll take a time out. We'll get David Kaplan in here. Matt Rudy is going to join us. He'll do so at 1240, or 1240, 11.40. We're only here until noon. We're glad you're with us. It's Cappy time next. He's brought to us by our friends at Centurion Stone of Iowa. CenturionStoneofIowa.com. Check him out online uh, for exterior, interior needs. You will be glad you did. Centurion Stone of Iowa. Remember that name. Cappy next. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 14. 14- in Hawaii. It's 24 hour sports, morning, noon, and night here on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. As promised, it's time to talk Chicago sports. We do so with our buddy David Kaplan. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports Chicago is where you can see Cap on a daily basis, and he joins us. Cap Trent and Ken, thank you for coming on, David Kaplan. What's new in your world? All is good, no ways. Great way to start my Wednesday. I go work out, yes. I grab my coffee, and I get ready to talk to you guys. And we're very fortunate that you find time for us. Centurion Stone makes it possible. Well, Cap, uh, look, the uh, Colorado's not so far has not been kind to the uh, to the Cubs. They were coming off a sweep of their division rival, the Cardinals, but onto the road they go, where they've lost five straight. Cappy, uh, what do you, what do you make of that? Just um, you know, a bump in the schedule. To Colorado playing well. Yeah, go. Colorado's a good team. And they are a really good team when they play at home. Nolan Arenado's splits are you know, just so dramatically different when he is at home. So you know, it is what it is. They got to get better pitching out of Quintana. I, I'm not going to beat the guy up. I was pretty hard on him all last season, but I think I've made my point that he's not an elite pitcher. He's okay. And, you know, when he starts, you should feel like. If you're going to pay the price they paid, you're getting a better than probably 70% chance you're going to win. And I just don't feel that way. So, you know, it is what it is. They got to be better on the road, and hopefully that'll start with Cole Hamels on Wednesday. You know, you mentioned Arenado, Cap. Um, you and I both, we're old. We've watched a lot of baseball. He's one of the most gifted defensive uh, third basemen I think we've seen. I, I'm old enough to remember Brooks Robinson. I know you do as well. Uh, certainly Mike Schmidt. But this Arenado, every time I watch him, that play that he caught Cargo sleeping on that uh, play at second base when he underhanded the ball behind his back instead of going to first base, he is so good. Is he, in your mind, one of the best defensive third basemen we've seen in a while? Arenado? Yes. Spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. And you know he's a guy... Had he gotten a free agency a year from now, he would have possibly gotten more money than he got. But he knows I hit the great ballpark. I'm beloved here. I love living here. This is the franchise that drafted me 
50 whatever overall in the same draft that the Cubs ended up taking, I think it was Brett Jackson. Ouch. So, yeah. So he is a guy who really looks at this situation and went, okay, pay me what's fair, and I'm all in. And so they paid him, obviously, stupid money that you know all of us listeners and people on the here right now, the thousands combined, we're never going to get that type of money together. But could he have gotten more? Yeah, probably. He knew he's in a good situation. He knows he's beloved there. So I give him a lot of credit. I'm a fan of this guy. Cap, I'd love to get your perspective. A week ago, we were talking about this Cubs defense. When Schorber's on the bench, bench and Cargo's out there, defensively, that outfield, very good. And then we went around the eight positions. We, we talked to an analytic baseball mind last week that said he believed this player was the worst of the eight when it's Gonzalez out there defensively. Out of that main group, the outfield with Elmora in center, you got Cargo, you go around the infield, and then back behind the plate. Who's the worst defender when that lineup is out there? Oh, um, you know, I think Schwarber's a reasonably solid defensive player. No, but he's not out there because he, he is. Hayward's in wor- right. Yep, Hayward's in work. He, okay, he's not so in the Hayward's lineup. Hayward's in right. Okay, Hayward yep. in right, Almora center, Cargo left. Yep. Yes. And then Bryant, Baez, Russell, Rizzo, Contreras. Yes. yes. The worst defensive player <laughs> of that group, that's easy. It's Chris Bryant. That's what we Look, said. I, I'm not sold on him as a c- career third baseman. I'm not. Hmm. I still think at some point he's going to end up being in the outfield. I know he likes playing third, and he's okay at it, but he's not elite. And, and I had a scout tell me I'm not big on six foot six inch third baseman. Hmm. Uh, at some point, as they get a little older, they get a little thicker. It's harder to come in on balls. It's harder to get down and make plays. I saw him make two bad plays the other day. I like him much better as an outfield. Hmm. Cap, with Craig Kimbler in the fold, you're going to have to uh, free up a roster spot when he's ready. Does it look like, at least right now, that Brock would be the odd man out that, uh, you know, and this isn't just based on last night's uh, dismal effort out of him, uh, but Brock, to me, looks like he's going to be the guy that, you know, that uh, gets, you know, shipped out but when, uh, when Kimbrel's ready. How about you? Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Um, he looked terrible last night, no doubt. It just Do you make a bigger deal to go get something else? Mm. You know, I, I've been trying to look at deals that I thought that might make sense for them because they not only have to add for the rest of this year, they've got to start thinking about the future as well. So what if I told you that you could make a bigger deal and you could trade, you know, a significant prospect who makes no money and you could attach – a contract in the deal, and you could move, I don't know, Carl Edwards, who's been really good. Yeah, I used his numbers the other day. But, you know, make a significant deal. Put a Schwarber in a deal and send him to the American League. And what if you could get back Brad Hand from the Cleveland Indians and you take a guy who's on the injured list right now and take all his money and he's got a two-team options, so you've got him under control for two years, you know you've got big money coming off the books. What if you can make a big deal with the Cleveland Indians and go get Corey Kluber? Wow. They're, they've acknowledged, even their owner was on an interview and said, 
yeah, enjoy Francisco Lindor while we've got him. Like, <laughs> he's not sure that they'll be able to re-sign him. You're not going to go get Lindor, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if they're talking about trading the face of their team, mm-hmm. well, then you're telling me you're not going to be able to make a move to get a guy like that? I'm not buying it. August, September with Kluber all of a sudden in that rotation certainly changes things for the Cubs. You mentioned Carl Edwards Jr. He has pitched very well since he came back after being sent down here to AAA. With that, his durability going forward, we've seen him have stretches like this, but seemingly every year he wears down. He's got that slight frame. What kind of value do you think there is in the trade market for Carl Edwards? Is he just a throw-in piece to help out and make a bigger deal? Or do you think there could be more for Edwards and some kind of market for him? Yeah, I mean, look, I tweeted his numbers the other day, and everyone out there, I recommend following Chris Campton. He's terrific. At He's spectacular. Mm-hmm. And he broke down all of Edwards' numbers since he was recalled on May 6th. Do you know that he is number one of any pitcher in Major League Baseball, relievers I'm talking, hmm. that have faced minimum of 40 hitters in terms of opponent's batting average, like 051, and opponent's on-base percentage. So he has really found his stride. Look, he walked two guys the other night, and everyone's freaking out. Mike <laughs> Wilbon's on Twitter going, get this guy out of here. That's that's the easy narrative because he had a bad game because his name is Carl Edwards. If he was some new guy, people would look at those numbers and go, oh, my God, this guy's a stud. He just had a bad night. I'm still buying on Carl Edwards. But if I'm going to make a trade and I'm getting Brad Hand, who gives me a chance to really make the back end of my bullpen, if, can you imagine if you were able to get Brad Hand and add Craig Kimbrell and at some point, you were able to get back Brandon Morrow late in the mm-hmm. season. Oh, my goodness. You're looking at a guy who all of a sudden, you he's a left-hand pitcher, Brad Hand. This year, his ERA is 0.91 with a whip of 0.742. Struck out 44 and 29 and two-thirds. Uh, he's appeared in 30 games. This guy's a stud, and he's only 29 years old and just turned it. So... You know, maybe you can make a bigger, as I'm saying, a bigger deal, and you're going to have to give them something back. Maybe Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Schwarber. Like you put together a monster deal, look out. Hmm. Cap, uh, you also, uh, Chris also tweeted out Hendricks' outstanding numbers. Give, you, give us his name again because I talked over top when you were giving us his Twitter handle. What is it, Chris's Twitter handle again? At C. Kampka, K-A-M-K-A, at and- the Good stuff, Cap. I want to get to uh, I want to get to Giolito in a second. But last thing on the Cubs for me, uh, and Jesse Rogers pointed this out on Twitter the other day when everybody was going crazy about Darvish. Um, you know, John Lester gave up four runs in the first inning the other day, and then he became John Lester again. He was unbelievable. Uh, what a gutsy performance! Darvish gives up four. I get the frustration. The Cubs had just put a four spot on the board, and you'd like to think that your starter can go out there and you know get through it, but he didn't. But then he buckled down again. Uh, where are you on Darvish after that last start, Cappy? Uh, that start was basically the same thing that John Lester did. You know, five really good innings, one really lousy inning, and Darvish said, look, I can't give runs up after my team goes and gets me runs. i got to be better. Next time I'll pitch at 120%. Well, 
There is no such thing as pitching at 120%. I understand his frustration. I just think he's trending in the right direction. I really do. I think he's throwing the ball much, much better. Anthony Rizzo told me the other night at this event we were doing, he said, that guy's gotten so much more comfortable in our room. He said, I'm just telling you, you is in a good spot. And people that are dogging this guy, they really don't understand how much he's well-liked in there, and I think he's going to be better. So we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, I'm still positive on you, Darvin. Hmm. Cap, a lot of movement uh, as we switch over to the White Sox real quick. Giolito, a lot of uh, buzz around him, maybe starting in the All-Star game. He's been terrific. But so is Charlie Morton uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, Trent's twins, Oda Rizzi, has been really mm-hmm. good. Giolito, does he deserve at this point to start in the All-Star game. We have no idea how it's going to line up whether he'd even be able to based on rest. But Giolito's been great. He's an All-Star. But is he the American League starter at this point? Uh, he's got to be right in the discussion. You mentioned Charlie Morton, but I've also tell you, Justin Verlander's been really yeah, good. Yeah, good point. So, you know, do you give it to a young guy or do you go, well, i got to give it to a veteran who we don't know how much more time he's got left in the game and he's earned that right. You know, just as long as he's in the All-Star game, I think if you had said, like, I would love to go back and see, he probably wasn't even on the board, but if you were in Vegas betting on who's going to win the Cy Young, I was looking at Kyle Hendricks and said, I'm going to bet him. He's 50 to 1. Wow. 50 to 1. And, now obviously you're not going to get those numbers no. now. Cause he's, <laughs> you know, he's throwing the ball great. But, you know, Lucas Giolito had to be 250 to 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. He'll be an all star, I would think, and well deserved. We, uh, we've talked a lot about him. We've talked a lot about Yoan Makata and the start that he's off. How about Eloy Jimenez? That home run last night, one of the longest, I, I think, in the ballpark's history. Guy's still just 22 years old. It feels like he's been around forever as he was such a big prospect with the Cubs. But Jimenez now starting to come together, too, for the White Sox. Yep, he is. He's still. Batting average has got to come up. He's got to be better defensively, but he's fitting in beautifully there. Uh, give this guy a lot of credit. He's mastered English. Uh, he's really good with the media. He's the whole package. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm buying all the Eloy stock I can get. Unfortunately, the Cubs sold theirs at a really low price. Yeah, Vogelback was also blocked by Rizzle. He's got 16 bombs for <laughs> Seattle. So, uh, Hey, Cap, last thing for you. We'll let you go. Bears, the kicking woes continue. Uh, just a, a dismal day apparently yesterday uh, at OTAs. They uh, they released Blewett here this morning. Bears kicking, this um, you know margin fair in these games, very tight some games. They've got to address this, Cap. I don't know where they're going to find it, but they got to find a kicker. Yeah, they do, but I mean... Look, it was practice yesterday. Who knows? Kevin Butler might have been horrible in practice in 1985, and nobody said a word because nobody knew about it. So, you know, I trust. They know what's at stake. I trust they're going to figure this thing out. Cap, you got day baseball responsibilities, I'm guessing, at 210 with the first pitch with the, the Cubs. Yeah, 130 pregame. 130 with the pregame, so it'll be a quick uh, turnaround for you going from the radio show into that. But then it's Game 7 tonight. St. Louis, a rivalry of Chicago, yet it's the Bruins on the other side and Boston and all those championships. Who are you rooting for tonight, Cap? That's easy. I don't root for anybody but St. Louis. <laughs> I'm rooting for the Boston Bruins. I'd like a good game, but yeah, no. Just like I would expect them not to root for Chicago, uh-huh. yeah, I'm not rooting for the St. Louis uh-huh. Raptors going to win the championship, Cap? 
Yes. Yep. I think they close it out tomorrow night. I do, too. And they win it in six. Good stuff, Cap. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, pal. See you, boys. See ya. David Kaplan, ESPN 1000, Comcast Sports. Uh, NBC Sports mm-hmm. Chicago. Uh, he's brought to us by Centurion Stone. Centurion Stone, whether you're looking for manufactured or natural stone to accent or update your exterior or interior project of any size, Centurion Stone of Iowa has a variety of styles, patterns, and colors for your each and every need. Uh, over 200 color patterns and combinations. How about that? Over 200 of them. Should be able to find one in there uh, that suits your need. Check them out online. CenturionStoneofIowa.com or... Uh, head to the showroom. They're located on Northeast 22nd Street, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street uh, in Des Moines, Centurion Stone of Iowa. All right, Bears fan. Mm-hmm. Um, look, there's going to be some close games. There's going to be games. It's going to come down to a big spot up to remind you. <laughs> um, how are they going to find their kicker at this point? I guess maybe does a... Rookie on another team displace a veteran with a big contract, putting that veteran out on the street. I'll use my guy, Brandon McManus in mm-hmm. Denver. Yeah. He's really, really good. And I don't know if Denver's got a uh, a kicker on the cheap that they can fit in there, but it's usually the kicker or the punter that walk the plank when they're trying to save money if they think that they've got a guy that's maybe not quite as good but has a chance to be. Is that the route that you think they'll take? Uh, I think they're going to try. You have to be hopeful that it happens, though, and the guy that comes out there is... More like a McManus as opposed to garbage scrap heap. Mm-hmm. Guy wasn't very good, but right. he got a couple-year deal. He is a quote-unquote veteran, and that's what left there. Here's a question that I've had. They brought in, what, a dozen kickers to this it's point? Been a bunch. Where's Marshall Kane? I mean, he's a hop, skip, and a jump away. He's still working out, I've heard. Did he Did, did he sign with the Jets, maybe? I know he was in Minnesota. Did He, he was with chance? the Giants for a maybe while. Maybe was the Giants. Yeah, yeah and I don't know if he's back there, but, I mean, all these kickers that they brought in, Kane, I think, two different times have been very close to winning mm-hmm, a job, mm-hmm. but hasn't been to get there. And that guy hasn't got a call. That that one strikes me as a little bit odd, kind of a local angle to it. But how, how can you be confident going into a year? I mean, we look to our neighbors to the north, and they've had kicking woes now oh for two decades. God. Yeah, that's true. It, it's something that just can plague an organization, can just linger over top of it. And it kind of feels like maybe the Bears are heading that direction now, too. And not an easy place to kick in the swirling winds there at Soldier Field. No. All right, Ken, we got Matt Rudy waiting on the line. Let's take a quick timeout. We're coming back with more on the other side. Miller and Connick continues on 1460. All right, welcome back. It's Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Let's talk U.S. Open, shall we? He's Matt Rudy, Golf Digest. The U.S. Open begins tomorrow. Fox has the television coverage. Uh, Matt joins us. Matt Trenton, Ken in Des Moines. Thank you for coming on, Matt Rudy. How are you, sir? You know, I'm doing okay. I'm looking forward to see what happens next. I am too. Um, let me ask you first of all about Phil Mickelson and this void that he has. I mean, he's won everything except the U.S. Open. How much do you think? And I've probably asked you this for the last couple of years, Matt, come to think of it. But how much does it irk him? Or, or how big of a hole? If, if you were asking Phil Mickelson this personally, how big of a hole would he tell you? Um, a void. Uh, that he hasn't yet been able to capture the U.S. Open and may not now that he's 49. I think what I've discovered being around these guys is that the the things they worry about and the things they think about are different than what we think about because, I mean, that's that's part of what makes them the champions they are because essentially they have 
personality disorders. You know, they're they're motivated by different things. They're focused on different things. I think it, I think the close calls would definitely he would tell you that they bothered him. And I think if he was being honest, he would say that missing out. You know, if he play, if he played well here at a course that he loves, a place where he's won, and he misses out at a place where he's got such good memories, I think that would bother him. If if they were coming to a course this year and it just didn't suit him and he played poorly. I think he would reflect on it someday and be disappointed, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't burn him as much in the moment. Matt, I'm going to keep it open ended. Just Tiger Woods thoughts, <laughs> ideas, whatever it may be. Take it whatever direction, but you know what drives our conversation here. Number one, it is Tiger Woods. I think the first two words would be weather forecast. That, uh, mm. um, if it's if it's high fifties and low sixties, it's just not as much of a that's not as favorable of a weather reading as you know, a sweltery kind of 80-degree day where he can get loose. That doesn't mean he's not going to play well or that he can't play well, but, you know, when you're in your early 40s and you've had a back fusion, I think you're looking for conditions that, you know, make you feel good. I mean, this is definitely a place he's got great memories. He knows his way around the golf course. There's there's a lot to, to be said for being Tiger Woods this week, but I can tell you he would feel better if it was going to be 77 and humid. Um, Rory McIlroy coming off a, a nice win. What does this do for him, uh, or, or uh, if anything, do you think, Matt, that you know he's clearly playing well? He's won this tournament before. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win again, but um, he may. He won the, uh, the Canadian Open last week. Where are you on Rory McIlroy? Is his game uh, seemingly in the right place? I think it re- the, the what, what the sixty-one he shot did was reinforced that everything we know everything that he knows is in there is in there recently. I mean, this is a guy who Tita to green has never wavered from being one of the top one or two people on the planet. It's just the putting stuff hadn't helped him convert on those rounds. And I think what the 61 does and all those, you know, seeing all those birdie putts go in, it reinforces that that can still happen. And if he just has a mediocre putting week this week, I mean, this is a guy that was in, was in danger of missing the cut at Bethpage while simultaneously almost leading the field in strokes gain tee to green. That's a big deal. He can have a mediocre putting week. He's somebody that we're going to be talking about. That's all that it takes, mediocre, but there is one big name in front. Brooks Kepka looking for his third U.S. Open. Why do people dislike him so much? What What is it about <laughs> this guy that we can't just wrap our hands around this great champion? An American. An American all. kid. Good-looking dude. He's got everything. Why is he so unlikable? Oh, I don't. I don't think that people dislike him. I think. I think he's definitely created a. He's created a persona of uh, you know being the kind of a Darth Vader type competitor, and, and I think that's he's, he's just a guy that doesn't need a lot of outer affirmation. He said that at the PGA that what really got his blood moving on Sunday was when the crowd started giving him some, <laughs> some stick. You know, yeah. when they started. Tell him he was choking and he was going to lose to DJ. That's starter. That's that's what got the blood moving for him. And, and I think he's like McEnroe. You know, he thrives on adversity. And he thrives on that kind of stuff. So I, I wouldn't say he's disliked. I would just say that he's he's a different kind of persona than you know, someone like Ricky Fowler. And I think that's great. It's great for the sport. Mm. Well, if he needs something to get him going, apparently Fox didn't include him in the television promos. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's won the last two United States Open, and they neglected to make him a part of it? Come on. Well, that that's manufactured, though, because they did four promos, and he had his own promo on one of them. Oh, did he? he? Part okay. of the other two, and he was part of the other two, and then he wasn't in 
the one. Of course, the one is Buddy Center. Uh, the one okay. he wasn't in, so. <laughs> uh, interesting. Um, Stevie Williams, uh, out of retirement, of course, um, you know, very famous for carrying Tiger's bag for so many years, and then Adam Scott, and now Jason Day has been able, an Aussie, right, talking to New Zealander mm-hmm. out of retirement to uh, uh, to carry his bag. Is this what Jason Day needs? I mean, how big of a boost, if any, will a, uh, a fresh caddy on the bag and a guy that's, I mean, he's he's, he's helped some players make some huge decisions over sure. Stevie Williams' sure. career. How big of a how big of a plus is it? Well, I think the big thing between a caddy and a player is comfort. And mm-hmm. uh, Jason Day had the same caddy for years and years, and it was actually a swing coach. So I mean, that was a guy he had a lot of comfort with. And I think when you can find that link, it takes some things off of your mind that shouldn't be on your mind. And I think having somebody who knows how to interact with you, whether that's to fire you up if you want to calm you down, uh, you know, th- those are you know, th- that's a big piece for a player to have. And and Steve Williams certainly has the resume and the the company of the you know, he's a guy who's made a lot of good calls. So when he says something to you, you know, he doesn't have to prove himself as much as mm-hmm. a different caddy might. So I think that's a that's a that's a relief. And, and the big piece of it is his personality match. And if the, if if what the caddy has is what you're looking for as a player, and you know maybe you're a player that likes to call your own yardages, or you want to play, you want a caddy that that interacts with you a lot and gives you a strong opinion. If if those two things match. You know, to the amount that you want or you don't want, I can, you know, that can be certainly a positive force. Matt, let's uh, talk about the course. It'll be some beautiful views, as always, of Pebble Beach, a historic course. It is a U.S. Open, and that leads to a lot of times tricking the course up. How is it playing? You mentioned weather also kind of going hand-in-hand with this, but what's the course look like right now? How is it going to work out? And I believe somebody, a new U.S. Open director here that will be setting up the course. Is that right? Yeah, it's a, it's a immaculate. Uh, they they've sort of pushed out the course setup responsibilities to people who are experts in that field. And from, you know, from the look of it, obviously we'll see how it plays tomorrow. But, but the, the look of the golf course and the look of the rough is that they have every blade of grass the way they want it, mm. and, and that's really all you can ask for. And the forecast is is very it's mild and consistent. You know, it's four days of low sixties. You know, not you know it's going to be in the high fifties at night. Nothing crazy in terms of wind, and obviously that can change in, in, in Northern California. But um, I think they're going to get, for good or for bad, the showcase of of the golf course the way they expect it to be. Now, that means we can get to Sunday night and judge if they accomplish what they were hoping for. But I think we're we're in a good spot right now. Yeah. Last thing, man, we look forward to talking to you Monday recap. And it's mentioned Sunday night, and it's on the West Coast, so the tournament's not going to be decided. I looked at my Directv guide. Uh, coverage ends at nine o'clock Central Time. At seven o'clock Central Time, potentially a game seven of the NBA is going to tip uh, in Toronto. Now it's a Canadian market. We get that part. At least one of the teams a Canadian market. But you just uh, you wonder uh, ratings wise, what's that going to do for both sports? Quite honestly. I think let's talk about that again on Saturday night. Let's see who the leaders are. Yeah. If, if you're yeah. on the board, that's Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy and Phil Mickelson. I don't think it's going to. I think it's going to be great if it's a board with, you know, no offense, but you know Scott Langley and you know player, players <laughs> that don't have as high a profile. That's going to be a. That's going to be a. I think it's going to be a win for the NBA. Indeed, Matt. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for finding a few minutes yeah. for us. Appreciate it.
you. Yep, good to talk to you, Matt Rudy. Follow him on Twitter at Rudy Writer, W R I T E R. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, long time uh, senior writer at, at Golf Digest. All right, Trent, we've got a game seven tonight in mm-hmm. the NHL. Magic words. Uh, the season started for the NHL, I think, October the 3rd <laughs> was opening Is night. Is that right? Honest to God, October 3rd. October was 3rd. was a Wednesday night. I re- in this October, you will remind me of it the day of, and I'll say, you've got to be kidding me. I know. And when they go to training camp already? September, right? That's- the week after Cyhawk, NHL training camp starts. And Cyhawk doesn't seem that far off. No. It really, it's June the 12th. This thing started on October 3rd. I'm good with it. <laughs> I know you are. Yes. I, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to miss it for the three months that it's gone. It's a long season, right? I mean, that it is. The NBA starts, what, the last weekend now of October? Mm-hmm. And we'll go till at least tomorrow, potentially Sunday. Um, Game seven, though, it's, uh, the, the, the curtain's going to fall in the game seven in the NHL. Do you have an opinion? Will you, I know you're going to watch. Will you bet? I don't think I am. I don't like the price. If I would. What is the price? Minus 170 on the Bruins, plus 150 on the Blues. Well, I'd take the Blues. That's, yeah, that's the direction. If I do make a bet, that'll, it'll be there. I'll take the They're three to two. They're a good road team, Trent. They're right? a good road team. I, look, I, I know the score says 5-1. Mm-hmm. And what I'm about to say sounds ridiculous. St. Louis was the better team. Yeah. In game six. You've been I honestly believe on that. The second goal of the game was as greasy a goal as you're ever going to see. A guy crossed the blue line, bounced the puck in, didn't shoot it hard. It took a bad bounce and beat Bennington down two zip. Cheap one for the, uh, not a cheap one, but certainly not nowhere near as greasy as the second one. It's 3 nothing. It's 3-1, 4-1, empty net 5-1. St. Louis should have, could have won game number six. I think they've got a great chance tonight. I really do. Great chance yes. tonight. All right. I, I will. Jump on board then. Now, mm-hmm. officially, I'm going to take the plus that. 150. Plus 150, a good price. You hear about the guy that has a futures for $100,000? Should have sold it. And he won't. Well, it's too late now. I heard him have an interview where he said he just felt like it'd bring bad karma to his team. So it was, it was worth what? Into, going into game six, the $100,000 ticket, ticket, Pro Swap would have bought it for 70? No, 40. 40 was the best offer that he said he got. I really? Yep. 40,000 was the best offer I that he I thought I saw, seen. well, if it, that's, if that's all he got. Yeah, right. Uh, knowing for that you have to lose two. Wager. Yeah, no, he should, hold it. Hold it. Yeah, hold it. It's his team too. It is his and team, and that's that was some of the justification. He goes, "I could use the money, obviously, mm-hmm. but the karma element that goes yeah, into it." Our I, fans, I, I got, I got news for him. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. they are. They yes. truly are. Uh, I do have a couple selections as I like to do in the U.S. Open. Okay, who are you playing? Molinari's forty to one. Okay, that seems like a great price. I mean, right. The way that he has played, yeah. jumping on there. Throw my money away again with Tommy Fleetwood at thirty-three to one. He's going to win one of these things. He will. He's too good not to. Except I'm going to have about twenty tournaments before we get there that I'm going to wager. So on when he finally time. wins, you'll break even, is what exactly. You're saying. That's kind of the direction that I'm heading. A little bit deeper. Going to have a little taste. Henrik Stenson at eighty to one. Mm. What's Zach? He's got to be eighty to one. Oh, I think he's even higher than that. I think he's more in the one fifty to two hundred range. Where is Zach? Johnson. He's not in the field. He's a two-time major champ. No, yeah, he's not in there. I'm scrolling through, and I am not finding Zach Johnson, though. 300 to 1. Really? There's a price for you. Yeah. For a lottery ticket. Yeah, I, I, well, 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 we'll see. He's not a horse for this course. No, I don't think he is either. I just hope it's fun. It's crazy to think that Sunday night, three of the majors will be behind us. Right. I like it. I do. I like it. By the time August rolls around, we'll be talking hard knocks. We'll be talking Iowa and Iowa State. We'll be talking NFL. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. All right, Murph and Andy are coming up next. They're here at 2, the Fanatics at 4. Don't miss Chad Leistikow's got his sit-down with Kirk Ferentz. That's in Hawk Central at 5. Tomorrow, the morning rush will start it all again t- uh, tomorrow at 6. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO.